Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Comedians sharing their memories. The fun and entertaining, exciting and crazy. With Dwayne Dugan as your host. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Here we go. Wake up, it's a beautiful morning. Wake up, it's a beautiful morning. Wake up, it's a beautiful morning. That's not the tune. Hello and welcome to my first gig with me, Dwayne Dugan. I uh, I sang the Boo Radley's tribute there, Wake Up, because uh, I just assumed everyone's listening to this in the morning. Is it the morning? Who knows? One thing I'll know is, it's a Monday morning. If you're listening on Patreon.com forward slash my first gig pod, getting them before all the other losers. Yeah, losers have to wait around. And guess what? They don't even hear the full podcast. The full podcast is only on Patreon. So welcome. If this is Wednesday, though, don't listen to what I said about calling you losers. You're actually my favorite. What a way to get over hump day. This podcast has it all. Uh, yeah, how are we, guys? Uh, I hope you enjoyed last week. Last week, fantastic episode with Mary Beth Barone. Um, I'm, I'm very much... I'm not watching... If you're watching on YouTube, I'm not watching the video bit, like the, the little icon that says, look here, so that my eyes are looking at the, the viewer like I am now. Hello. Uh, I'm looking at myself. So I'm getting quite performative. So that's why I'm like, Mary Beth Barron, as if I have to dance around and say it. Uh, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen. I've been really, really enjoying the season, season three. So have a, have an Elgander if you haven't, if you've just jumped in. Because you're a fan of Paul Smith, if you've been watching his clips uh, from the Hot Water Comedy Club, just a real like a real force in stand-up comedy in the new age. I think uh, certainly um, the, the way the UK is concerned, uh, it's hard to hard to beat their output. Like you know, that's why Paul can come. Uh, we recorded this at the Olympia Theatre, and that's why Paul can come and do two solo shows at the Olympia Theatre to like a variety of ages of people so it's not just like young people who like going there going to stand-up shows these are you know there's some older people who have just discovered them on the internet you know um which is quite ageist of me to just find that weird of course old people use the internet they're mad for their puzzles and their news um and hopefully their podcasts hey you out there you big boiled meat heads. Um, love yous. Love boiled meat. Uh, who doesn't? But let's stop not cooking our sausages in a coddle. That's weird. Great season so far. And then Paul is uh, one that we recorded just before lockdown. I think it was March. I think it was uh, early March 2020. It was meant to be going into the season th- season two, which became the isolation interviews. So it's uh, it's been a while. So glad to finally put this out. Um, yeah, I mentioned Paul doing two nights at the Olympia. It could have been three nights, and then he goes home, and he goes, oh, I'm coming back this year with the tour. 
I think Changed was the name of the tour. He's on tour now with this show Joker coming back again to the Olympia Theatre. Oh, well, no, he didn't actually get to come back because uh, the world shut down. Um, but, yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, I um, I was thinking of what to talk about for this opening. And I just, I, I, I went for October 12th, which is the official release date. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, early or later. Um, and I basically, nothing really interested ha- interesting happened on October 12th. Um, let's see. 1600s. No, fuck that. I don't, I wasn't around. Let's go to the 70s and higher. Um, da, 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 da. The European Union wins the 2012 Nobel Peace Prize. Not very noble if the whole European Union is winning it. That's the quality of jokes I'm delivering right now. Uh, it's all just death and like not happy deaths. Not that there is happy deaths. That's just a weird sentence. But like they're horrific deaths. It's not just like, oh, somebody died. Uh, we're sad. But it's like, oh no, these people were murdered for really bad things. Uh, there was an earthquake. 5.8 earthquake occurred. Oh, at least 510 died. I was going to go, oh, wow, natural things. But no, yeah, people had to die. This is not a good opening banter. Uh, oh, well, here's a funny one. The Hard Rock Hotel in New Orleans. Oh, I was going to say that it opened. I was like, why is that on Wikipedia as an event? It's on, it's on here as an event because it, uh, it collapsed and killed. Right, let's stop talking about the deaths. Let's talk about the births. Who was born? Uh, again, I don't, I'm not, who was born in the 1600s? I don't know them. Right, who was born on October 12th? Hugh Jackman, Australian actor, singer, and producer. I um, I know that Hugh Jackman is popular now again because he announced that he's coming back as Wolverine with Ryan Reynolds doing Deadpool. Uh, I've never seen a Marvel film. I've nothing against. I'm not like I'm not going out flying the flag, being like I've never seen a Marvel film. I'm so cool. I just I've no interest in them whatsoever. And they. But like I've seen, I saw one Batman. I don't know if that's Marvel, if that's DC, if that's not even either of them. But it fits in the same kind of bubble in my head. And I saw one Batman, and it was against my will. I had just broken up with my girlfriend the day before, or she broke it up with me rather. So I was, uh, I was the one who was like, "Oh, lads, friends, I could do with your friendship now." And my friend Darren said, "Well, I'm going to go see the new Batman tomorrow. If you want to hang out." You're going to have to buy a ticket and sit quietly next to me for three hours. I'm like, oh, you're a good friend. You're always there when I need you, mate. Uh, but I went and watched it. And I actually really enjoyed it. But, like, never went to see any other Batmans or any other films of that genre. So I just, I just, they seem like a lot of effort. Crossover shit. I, I can't. I'm just watching reruns of Frasier. I know who's going to pop up. I know who's not going to pop up. I know where we're going. I can't be learning new people and their special powers and stuff. But, so I know Hugh Jackman's a bit popular for that. But I, me and my girlfriend went to The Greatest Showman on a rooftop outdoor cinema in Lanzarote. And she loves musicals. And she was playing all the songs and going, we're going to this. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you have a choice in film. It was the only night we could go. I was like, all right, I'll go to this. I like the beers. I like the hot dogs and the popcorn. And you get a little blanket and the moon and all that bollocks. And I just watched the film and we left. And we're kind of just, we're not talking to each other as we're walking out. And she's just kind of looking at me being like, mm, he's very quiet. You hated that film. 
and I I don't know what I said to her, but I definitely know how what I what I felt, and what I felt was, oh my god, my life has transformed. I love musicals, but in the same way that I loved Batman, I never went out and watched a musical. Then we've since I think watched two musicals. One of them was a birthday present to her, a live stage show of Matilda, and the other one was Les Mis. And even then, I did bits of Les Mis in a school play when I was a teenager. So because I knew a little bit of it, I was able to start. Otherwise, I was like, we all watched old people sing about old times for ages, and they're all sad. It's a lot of effort. I find it very hard to start new things. Um, but yeah, I uh, I even went to see Hugh Jackman in concert performing the songs from the musicals and um for someone who's seen two musicals ever but yet pay to see one of the stars of one of the musicals sing songs technically from both of the musicals yeah well not matilda i would go see a live thing Matilda. wait we did go see a live thing matilda i go see tim minchin do matilda stuff good boy tim minchin he'd be a great guest in this podcast wouldn't he He'd be funny and uh, charming, and I think I'd uh, fall in love with his eyes. Uh, let's see, who else was born? Uh, Giuseppe Lanzon, an American rower. Never heard of him. Conrad Smith, sounds like a name I know, but no, born in the 80s. Carlton Cole, English footballer, know him. Um, October 12th is a shit day, man. In 2004, Darcy Lynn, an American ventriloquist, was born. Who was born in 2004, has a job as a ventriloquist and a page on Wikipedia? What age does that make you? 17. A 17 ventriloquist from Oklahoma has a Wikipedia page. Is it? Are they going to be dead as well? Is that what the whole thing is here? Characters. A bunny. A Motown mouse. An old lady. A cowgirl. A duck. A fox. A orangutan and a bird. Filmography. There's about 20 films here. This is wild. In Scooby-Doo and all that. America's Got Talent. Oh, see, there you go. America's Got Talent. (coughs) Excuse me for coughing. I'm not going to edit it out because it matches with the video. And I'm not editing, chopping up the video. I have a really bad cough. Now that I've mentioned it, it's going to be... uh, it's going to be happening all the time. Uh, I've gone off. I've gone off of the births, and I'm, what's next is the deaths. I think we just have to embrace death, and just hopefully not get tragic ones. I love hearing that they say pre sixteen hundred deaths, and they've got oh like Demosthenes. Somebody will be knowing how to pronounce that. But it's like oh they died in October twelfth thirteen two two. No. They died October 12th, 322. Now I'm calling bullshit on that. How are they telling us that 1,700 years ago today, is that right? Yeah, 1,700 years ago today, they're telling us someone died. You don't know if they died on October 12th or if they died six years later. And do you know what? Even if they did die six years later, that'd be a pretty good way of guessing there's no records from 322 bc hold on a second 
So that's 2022 plus 300. That's You're telling me you know the exact date that somebody died. Let me see if I can do my maths here. 2,344 years ago. And you're going to say they died in the 24-hour span of October 12th. And yet it happened 2,300 years ago. That is bullshit. We, it's not like there's a... Uh, they're going, oh, we, we found their gravestone. Their gravestone is under the ground. It doesn't exist. Any uh, any famous... I'm getting really angry at this. Is This is a welcoming uh, way to start a podcast. Uh, any famous people die that we're aware of? In 1991, Reggie, T- Reggie, Reggie Toomey? Reggie Toomey? Died? No? Anybody? Nancy Spungen? No, lads, I think we can declare October 12th pretty shit day. I think uh, if this podcast is a success, it should go on the Wikipedia page because uh, fuck all else happened. Right, holidays. Free thought day. What? Free thought day? These days, they'd be like, oh, it's National Happy Blue Chicken Day. I'm like, nah, get away from it. Because I'm pretty sure... It's like on National Cat Day six times a year, and that's the only one I'll allow because it's National Cat Day every single day. It's Children's Day in Brazil. Children's Day. Uh, Every other day of the year. Fuck them. But today, they have their day. Fiesta Nacional de España. Feast of Life of Alistair Crowley, celebrated as as Crowleymas in Thelma? Oh, it's a cult, a religious cult. Alistair Crowley died in 1947. All right, buddy. He was buried in Hampton, New Jersey. Born in England. Ah, here, mate. What are you doing traveling across the world in the 1800s? I'm losing the plot here. I realize that every single week I just basically talk until I get a bit of self-awareness and go, I'm losing the plot. Today's guest is Paul Smith. If you're having fun, go to at my first gig pod, wherever you you, uh, like your social medias. And uh, tell me that you did a good that I did a good job. Uh, rate review. Uh, this podcast is powered by Acast. If you rate it on Acast, I love you. If you decide to rate it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts instead, that's all right. Every review helps. Every listen is appreciated. Tell your friends if they like uh, Scousers or Hot Water Comedy Clips to listen to this. But I won't bore you anymore. Uh, we start talking. So as I said, it was recorded in 2020. And there was uh, logos around at the time celebrating the 10 years of Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool. So we begin in progress talking about that. Um, I think that's all for now, guys. Do you have a nice drink? Get a cold drink. Get some ice. Get a straw. <sighs> Take a little sip. Oh, that's nice. Do you feel a bit of sweat going down your head? Yeah, that's okay. I'd be nervous too. But nerves... When conditioned or excitement is Jesus. Shut up, Dwayne. You guys relax. Sit back. Enjoy. My first gig. I'll go away, but I'll be there. Enjoy my first gig with Paul Smith. Ten years in April, yeah. Ten years. How, how early into the process did you get involved? Uh, 
think I was there like three shows in I was there. Um yeah. Oh second show maybe even. Second show I think wow. I did. Yeah. That, was that, did you know the guys or is that just being local? No, or? and I'd stopped doing comedy for like a year. It was a complete fluke that I ended up landing on that gig. Um because a guy who weirdly the guy who's doing me tour support tonight, a good mate of mine, Phil Chapman, uh I'd stopped doing I'd I'd fell out of love with comedy a little bit. I'd had a bit of a bad run and uh I stopped for like a year, I got a job and I bumped into him. And he was like, oh, how come you've stopped? And we had a little chat about it. And he made me book in for this open mic night called Hot Water Comedy, which I'd never heard about. He was like, does anyone start to just book in? And I was like, ah. Oh. And I just did it to appease him. I never even intended on doing it. Uh, and then I came round and I forgot to pull it. And I was at a barbecue <laughs> and I had a couple of... I was just drinking drinking beer in my garden uh, with my mate. Uh, we had these little barbecue trays out from Asda. And... Uh, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to pull this gig. And he was like, oh, just go and do it, just go and do it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to. He's like, come on, it'll be a laugh. So it turns up and I'm pissed. I've got super, I have Superman t-shirts and shorts on and flip-flops. And um, walks in and they had, at that time they had a guy, another guy emceeing and a, 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 another mate of mine, Adam Staunton, another Liverpool act. He was talking to the lads and he said, oh, because I'd been established, I'd been... I'd been a weekend comedian before I stopped. Um, and he was like, oh, well, he's a pro act. You best put him on last. And I was like, oh. Um, so they did. They put me on last. And uh, I was waiting for it to come back. So I was getting more and more drunk. I got told I got told to shut up twice. It's bad. <laughs> like, just talking at the back of the gig, which is so unprofessional. Um, and then I got on. And I went, to sp- I went to start doing my set. And I just couldn't remember it. Just literally, I I got into this bit and I was like, I don't know what I'm saying here. So I just had to rely on crowd work. But nobody, because it was an open mic night, no one had really done crowd work. And the MC they had at that time, he was fairly new and he hadn't done really any crowd work. So I just started bouncing off the crowd and they loved it. So uh, the guys said, oh, do you want to come back and host another one? They'd booked another five shows. And there was another four guys emceeing. Uh, and he gave me one of them to MC, And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll come down. So Sunday night, I'll keep me handing. Um, and then another guy dropped out, so I ended up doing that one, and then I ended up going on the next time, just kept going down, and then after that, he just gave me the rest of them, and I, I've always emceed it ever since. Uh, if I had to go back, right back, and ask you what your first memory of comedy is, yeah, it doesn't have to be stand-up necessarily, but what what comes to mind when you think of your first memory? Um, honestly, I've had a good think about this, because you get asked that question quite a bit as a comedian, and I never used to be able to answer it, but I had a good think about it, Oh, and I think, I used to watch Dave Allen, with my dad, um, years and years back, and I think weirdly not when I've because I've gone back and watched them since, and I think if anyone has influenced my style of comedy, it's him. It's because my actual style of the material that I use, if I use material, is really long form, really long form stories. Like my show tonight, it's got three bits in it, and it's an hour and ten. The actual show, um, one of the bits is I think it's like thirty five minutes long. It's one story. Um and obviously there's a sides and it comes away and zigs in and out. But like I think watching the way Dave Allen worked, he was a lot like that. He told these really like long form detailed stories. And I, yeah, I think my earliest memory is watching his show and watching his like monologues where he was sat in the chair just telling these stories. And at the time, I like, you don't know that you don't even know that stand up. But yeah, I think that yeah that would be Dave Allen probably. And uh, nice nice Irish guy, and here we are. Yeah. 
Uh, if I had to then switch it to experiencing live comedy, sitting in a crowd, do you remember your first time going to a show? Yeah, I do. It was that. Um, it was the Royal Court. It was Raw Hyde at the Royal Court Theatre in Liverpool. I won the tickets from the radio. <laughs> and I turned up in an orange jumper and got sat at the front, which is terrible. <laughs> Ginger guy in the front row in an orange. I mean, I would have a field day with that now. <laughs> and Chris Cairns, who was MC, and had an absolute field day with me. Just terrorised me all night. But I thought it was great. It was like I found it really funny. Um, and I got kind of hooked on it. I used to go quite a bit to Raw Hyde. Do you remember yeah. somebody actually would have seen those early days? Yeah, just like Chris, they had regular MCs. So they had Chris Cairns, R. David, Brendan, uh, Brendan Riley, um, and then some of the acts. I think like the acts, the first acts who I saw, uh, Phil Nichol, the uh, Duncan Oakley, uh, Jason John Whitehead, um, Martin Moore. Remember Martin Moore <laughs> getting off the stage and lap dancing on me. I don't know if you know Martin Moore, but he's a big guy and he's like a biker, a big Northern Irish guy, and he's a big biker dude. Looks like a biker anyway. And uh, yeah, he was he, he took his top off and lap danced on me. It was it's quite the memory. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else would have been on now. Um, the ones that oh, uh, Carey Marks as well. It was they had they had good good comedians on Raw because it paid well and it was in a big theatre. Used to get quite a like a lot of really really good acts there. I remember crying at Phil Nichol, but I used to watch the compares because they were scouts compares, and I was just used. To, I couldn't figure out how they did it because you're like you're watching them like how can you make that up on the spot? Mm. And like obviously there's tricks and stuff to it now, but like at the time it's a magic trick, and <laughs> like at the time you're like oh my god, like it's incredible. And what what uh what gave you the idea then to go from the audience to the stage? Um. Well, after I was a graphic designer at the time, and I was quite shy. And after, I was going through this, um, I was trying to, I was reading like self help books and trying to get more confidence in myself. Um, because I mean, when I say shy, I've never been like, wasn't that I couldn't speak or anything like that. It was just like, if in any new situation, I would like, I would be the quiet one. Well, I still am to an extent. Like, if if you come out on a night out, if you come out for a pint later with me, I'm not like the loudest person there or anything like that. I'm not like. Not the way I am on stage. People get disappointed with that sometimes. I'm more of an observer. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of... I was sat in work and I used to get emails from the comedy club, obviously, because I used to go there. So I was on the mailing list, like telling me about shows and stuff. And it said, uh, do you think you're funny? Do you want to try stand-up comedy? And I was just... I was sat in work. I used to work in an office. There was three of us around, like this little table. We used to work on the design stuff for the printers. And I was like, I could do that. Just joking about. And they were like you're not funny like that and I was like you're yeah. <laughs> so I signed up for it um, just through sheer stubbornness because I thought if I can do that I can do anything I had no intention of it being a job and I'll be honest with you when I signed up I was like oh my god what am I doing but I, I kind of I forced myself because I just thought okay I'm going to do it. it it'll be amazing it's it's like the, it's the equivalent to doing a bungee jump or a skydive or something so I thought if I tell everyone I'm doing it then I can't back out of it because otherwise I'll just back out. So I told everyone. My mum was like, "You're crazy. You're not funny." <laughs> everyone said this. I was like, "Oh god." Um, but it, yeah, so we did like a four-week comedy course. We used to go like on a Tuesday night. I mean, after turning up with material, and we'd work through it in this little room above the royal court. This little tiny room. Um, there was like six of us on the course. And Chris Cairns and Steph Davis would give us feedback, and we'd go away. 
And then, yeah, after the four weeks, turned up at the Royal Court, there was like 300 people in. And was, so this is the theatre you were going to watch yeah, shows yeah. in? So, yeah, and I'm, I remember waiting at the side, and I used to still do it to this day. I've got this, like, you won't be able to see it if you're listening to this, but like, I've got this weird nervous tick of, like, tapping my fingers, my fingertips against my thumb. I was pacing up and down. Felt like I was going to have an anxiety attack. I was like, oh, and uh, they like, calm down enough. But I, I still do this now, and I'll do this before the show tonight. I'll pace up and down. I'll even like, I, 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 I'll shout. I'll like this. It's it's a visceral, and I've I've come to ha- like, I've come to see it as a good thing. I get kind of work. I I did it. It was all day then, but now it's like maybe ten minutes before the show. I'll purposely walk up and down. I'll get that energy up because I felt like it's a good thing. It convert as soon because as, as soon as you walk out, it's like. And I didn't know this at the time because I was like, I felt like I was going to die. And they were like, calm down. But I, something in me knew that I, I needed this. I didn't want to calm down because calm, you don't want to walk out there completely relaxed. And be like, oh, yeah. like I didn't want to be that guy. So I was like, I need to be fired before I need to be ready. So I'm stood at the side. And as soon as he announced my name, I walked out, had my hands up and I got that cheer. And I said me open the line and I got a laugh. And it just all those nerves just washed away. Mm. And I was like, I was just in the moment then, and it's, it's it's just so it's for anyone who hasn't done it. If you ever have that experience, it's really it's it's massively addictive. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Obviously, the course now kind of points in the direction of like, right, here's your gig. Here's your, here's what, you know, how many weeks? You say four weeks, was it? Yeah. Four weeks. Um, so obviously did they, did they like, cause I, a lot of people who I've spoken to have gone through courses Yeah, and there's some who like, there's just one guy who tells you this is how stand up is done. There's yeah. other people who just go, right, I'll tell you if this is shit or not. <laughs> like, how, how did the lads yeah. do it with you? That, that's kind of what happened. I, I've taught a few comedy courses and when I've taught them, I've been very clear in that I don't think you can teach stand-up comedy. And I know that's a weird thing to say if someone's paid you to teach them stand-up <laughs> comedy. But, like, you can't teach stand-up comedy because it's, it's it's like trying to teach someone to be a surgeon. Do you know what I mean? You can't teach someone to be a surgeon. You can teach them the theory of being a surgeon, but they have to have it. They have to practice. You have to have experience to, to be good at, to, to be a good stand-up comedian. And that's... I think that's the misconception of people who go on a stand-up comedy course are expecting to come out being good at stand-up comedy. Like, he would come out of a English degree knowing a lot about English, about being good at English. You can't... It's not a It's not a theoretical thing. It's a, it's a practical skill. 
being a stand-up comedian. So I don't think you can teach it, but what you can do, and what I used to do, is just, you can get rid of about six months' worth of stupid mistakes that literally every person makes, and I know this from hosting a new, a new act night, over and over again. Silly little things like not taking the mic out of the mic stand, and think, like, or, and like, leaving the mic stand in front of you or like standing right at the back of the stage or like just staring at your feet and th- just ridiculous body language problems or like a lot like, I would never tell people what to say but I would sometimes go have a good think about that because it this is the tension it's going to create because it's all tension and release really so like if someone comes in and they're gonna a lot of younger guys tend to come in and they're trying to be shocking and trying to be which is totally fine. It's a way to do it, and there's a lot of good comedians who work with that. Um, but the all mistake here for being like, just be shocking, just say the most hor- horrifically offensive thing, and I'm like, if you want to say that, you can say it. But what's going to happen is you're just creating tension there, and you're not releasing it with anything clever or any kind of alternate perspective or anything like that. So I would do things like that, um, and that's kind of what they did for us. They were like. They just, you went in and you'd go through your stuff and you just, it's more of a like, it's a safety net really because you've got this support network and you go in and it's not the first time you've tried it and you're in a kind of safe space where it's still a little bit nerve wracking but like you go in and you try your material out and if it gets a laugh then you kind of know. That's the only real way of knowing about stand-up comedy is getting up on in front of someone and saying it um, in, in that kind of situation and if you can do it in that little room, it's much easier in front of 300 people. It's I always say this to people. It's like people say, oh, didn't you get nervous doing an arena with like seven, 8,000 people in there? I'm like, no, because once you get above two, if once you get above 100 people, really, it's just a sea of people in it. Do you know what I mean? You can't really focus on anyone's face. If you've got 10 people in the room, you can see there. You you know that. You, you, while you're talking, you register every one of their faces because you, your brain can register that many people. So you're just looking at them all, and then when one's not laughing, it becomes a fucking issue. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've I've lost my trailer for there. What was I saying? Um, uh, we were speaking about how, like, whether they guided you or instructed you. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it that's what that's kind of what they did is that you go in and you do your stuff, and if it got a laugh, they would kind of try and edge you towards this and that. But like, yeah, they would they were very laid back with it. It's it's it, it, there's not much you can do. It's a it's more of a confidence thing. Those things are like a public speaking course. It's just kind of going. It's someone reassuring you that you're not shit, and if you are shit, <laughs> then it's a bit of an issue. But like, because that has happened sometimes. Like when I was doing the comedy courses, you get some people who turn up and they just think they know everything, and you're like, oh god. It's gonna be a nightmare, but yeah, um, yeah, they were they were kind of they just reassured me that the material wasn't terrible, and then it gave me a little bit of confidence to go, okay, well, I feel like at least I know what I'm gonna say, and I know how to prepare for this, and I know what my first joke is, and and then it'll just all flow on from there. Do you? Uh, how long did you? Was your set? Um, it was supposed to be seven. I did twelve, <laughs> of course, <laughs> which is ten. That, that's because you don't factor in. I mean, because people are laughing, and you never factor it in when you're practicing. Like you don't factor in how much you slow. You don't factor. I always used to say this when I was teaching the comedy course. Well, factor in how much. If if you 
if you're enjoying yourself, you'll you, some some reason, and I've seen this happen so many times. Like people are nervous in the course, and and or like when they're practicing, and you're like, oh god, and you're rushing through it in your head because you want to get to the end because you want to know that you remember it all. But when you're in the moment and you're actually doing it and it's getting laughs, you're enjoying it so much that your pacing just corrects itself. Everything just kind of sets into like settles itself down so everything just becomes longer and then add those laughs in everything just extends out so really like if you've practiced a seven minutes it's probably closer to 10 um yeah so we did 12 minutes of yeah and it went well went very well so obviously you had no problem writing material but how, how did you go about actually doing that you know having never done it before where did you kind of draw inspiration from or uh, oh, my first stuff i did have a problem writing it because the first stuff it was so i mean you wouldn't recognize it to what i do now it's completely different to what i do now my first set was i started off with a load of ginger jokes because i was terrified of people heckling me so i thought i'd get all that out the way then you can't heckle me which is standard like <laughs> It's the when you're a, when you're a new actor, a lot of new actors do. You go, you go for the first thing you go for is how you look, or like if you've got a very strong accent, you go for your accent or something about yourself that really stands out. And I think that's not a bad thing to do. Um, so yeah, I went. I had a load of ginger jokes, and then I had a, I had some mad material about me and a Polish guy from my school who we were best mates, and we formed a crime fighting duo. And we used to used used to use puns to catch catch criminals. It was ridiculous. I would never like it was it was so bad. I don't know how I got away with it. Was it born out of truth? No, absolutely not. I mean, I just literally made it up because I, so day one you're creating these stories. I, I, I wasn't that confident into like to talk like like I, now a lot of my stuff is very close to to reality, um, exaggerated reality, but it's very close to reality. Um, but back then and for for the first couple of years up until I stopped. I was, it was just this whimsical, as I said before, I was trying to write for this, it was almost a character, it was a really, like, self-deprecating, I made myself look a lot younger, like, not a lot younger, but, like, I I made, I went to effort to make myself look innocent and, like, a bit, a bit daft, and it was a completely different character, yeah, I used to, I worked a lot with puns and stuff, it was, wasn't good, (laughs) well, it was, it went well, but it wasn't the same. You already said that you you told everybody you were going to do it. Yeah. So it's not like you went in secretly or not. So in the lead up to it, how how is it? Um, how are you feeling in the lead up to it? You know, if people were asking about it or I was terrified. Yeah, I was really like I remember being terrified on the day. I I remember being nervous for about two days before. If it's like sick nervous. Um, yeah, and I don't think there's any way around that. You're gonna be nervous if you care about it. You're gonna be nervous about it. If you're gonna do it, you're gonna you're gonna have those nerves. And again, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just it's your body's like defense mechanism against like looking like an idiot, isn't it? Which is like just anxiety about that. And it's just it's a primal thing that you can't really get rid of. Um, and over time, you just become more and more confident that you're not gonna make an idiot to yourself. There's still an element of it. Um. But yeah, you just get more and more confident when you've never done it. It's just fear of the unknown as well, isn't it? You just like I'm gonna, I, I might, I might die on my ass. Yeah, and that's see as well. That seems like the idea of dying on your ass seems like the worst thing in absolute. Like it would literally kill you, and it, when it happens, which it inevitably happens to everyone, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> just like it just doesn't kill you. So you're like you walk off and you go, although that was horrible, like. I'm I'm not that scared of that anymore, so yeah. Did you go to work that day? Like, was it a normal day? Uh, yeah, I went to work that day. I didn't go to work the next day. 
because um, I got a bit drunk after it. Uh, I took the next day off just so I could get drunk either way. Um, but yeah, and I remember not being able to sleep then after it as well. Just like lying in my bed, just staring at my ceiling because you're just buzzing off it. I still get that now though. Like, I struggle to sleep after gigs. I think everyone's the same. Sticking with that first day, you know, you're kind of saying now you're coming to the end of the day, you're finishing up work. Mm. It's probably what, like seven, eight o'clock, you're heading down there. Yeah, well, I think we had, no, we had to get there. I, I, they let me off work early. Uh, we had to get there for like a run through at like five. And then we all had a little run through and then they started letting people in at like seven. So we were there for a few hours before it as well, which is a bit... A bit weird. daunting. Yeah, a little bit daunting. Like it's waiting around, mm. your energy, like your energy can get a little bit dissipated because you're kind of, you, you're in the room, so you've worked up for it, but then you're getting worked up for it and it happens to kind of calm down again. It's fight off, like your adrenaline keeps spiking and it's tiring doing that. Uh, do you remember the format of the show? Yeah, um, it was just, I think there was, and so there, I think there was, yeah, there was six of us on, so it was two, uh, three and, and then three, I think. And where were you placed? I was, I think I was fifth. So you've got to wait quite a lot of the yeah. nice. Well, how was it watching some of the other acts that you've been in the course with? Um, it was good because they were all doing well, so it was fine, and they were all doing well. And uh, a couple of them, I'd be like, okay, well, not to be honest, but I've been looking at going, okay, well, if that's doing alright, I'll I'll be alright. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not to sound horrible, but like, yeah, um, everyone was doing well, and the crowd seemed really supportive. So I was like, I I felt like it was going to be alright, but again, there's always a little bit of doubt in your mind where you're like, oh god. Um. Uh. So second half comes. MC goes up. He introduces the the fourth act. Yeah. Now you know. I'm next. You're yeah. next. How 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 are those next uh seven minutes before you have to go on stage? Uh, they were terrified. Like, well, I was watching. I I, I was watching them, and I couldn't kind of. I was trying. I couldn't. I was trying not to listen to what he was saying because I was also trying to think of what I was going to say, and I didn't want that to. Because I felt like his words were pushing my words out of my brain. So I'm like, I'm there, and I, as I said, I was pacing up and down, I'm tapping my fingers together, I'm trying to keep the energy up, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to not run away, basically. <laughs> um, and it was the moments where it, like, it was more when the compare went back on, like, when Chris went back on, and he come off, and he was like, oh, that was amazing, and I'm kind of congratulating him, but in my head thinking, okay, I'm going now, and it's like hanging over the edge of the roller coaster, that, isn't it? You're like... Uh, he's gonna say my name in a second. I've I've gone. This has gone too far now. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna walk out on that stage, and you're like, am I even gonna walk out? I don't even know what's gonna happen. And then he said my name, and then yeah. Do you remember your opening joke? Yeah. One sharing it. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Um, the opening joke was, uh, "Hello, hello, Royal Court Theatre." I don't know if you can recognise... I'm Paul, sorry. Yeah, hello, uh, hello, Royal Court Theatre. I'm Paul. I don't know if you can tell under these lights, but I am the G-word. Gorgeous. And I'd pointed to one in the front row, and I got a big laugh the first night. I sit after... <laughs> to a friendly audience, that's a funny joke. To a, um, to to any, every other audience, that is not a good joke. <laughs> well, the reason I always ask people's first jokes is I like to remind them, is like, that's where all of this started. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so memories of the, memories of the set that night? Yeah, that that was the the first joke I had was that, and then I think I went from that to a, I am ginger. Um, what was it? Fuck it, I can never. Remember. I was trying to remember this and I never remember it. Was, I had a whole list of like um, I, 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 I am ginger. I think that's why I'd be good at this job because 
like as a ginger person one of the things people are scared of about being a comedian is getting heckled and i get heckled in the streets I mean, people say red red ginger pubes ginger sausage king i mean ah, copper wire copper bollocks copper zone sun dodger duracell rusty nuts rusty bollocks rusty lee someone went with the other week she's black doesn't even make sense carrot carrot top oh lucky nits having a bonfire and uh someone said oh lucky nits having a bonfire uh and and she was i mean which is clever but fucking hell fuck that up (laughs) what was it it's something like um but you got to respect that level of creativity from a six-year-old girl or something like that, and it went well. I mean, it's not, it's not good comedy. <laughs> this it's list making, and if you say something quick, there's some some comedians who do this. If you if you get out there and say something quick, if you there's a there's a there's a, a comedic trick of just going on and saying if you do something, if you say something quickly enough and it's impressive, you will get a round of applause. It's it's the culmination of the <laughs> yeah, list, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So it went well, though. You were happy with this? It went very well. Yeah, it went a lot better than I expected. I think I got. I think I, I probably did the best on the night. Um, and, like, the club were really happy with it, so they gave me a couple more gigs after it. Um, I think they put me forward for... I got put forward for the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year competition on the back of that, which is a mad, because I'd done, like, at that point when I, when that came around, because I, I did, think I did my first gig in the in the december and that was in the february i think so i'd done by that point i'd done like five gigs brand new like yeah and i was in this big comedy competition was it your intention to to keep on going because you said it was something like a skydive or something like you know when before i went out no after i came off i was like i'm definitely doing that again i wanted to do it again straight away um so yeah after that i was kind of hooked and i knew i wouldn't stop and i think deep down it's something I'd, i had always wanted to do um but yeah i think i was just in my head i psychologically said to myself oh, it's just this and that because it just made it easier psychologically because if i was like if i put that pressure on myself i think that was a mistake i made over the, after it though because what once i did put the pressure on myself i go okay well this is what i'm going to do with my life i'm going to be a professional stand-up comedian and i'm going to be like i'm going to be i'm going to get on telly and i'm going to do all this stuff it, it, that put a lot of pressure on it. i didn't i stopped i stopped enjoying it pr- progressively over time because I was doing well and I got pushed forward quite a bit and I got some good opportunities and I just wasn't ready for them and I messed them up and then, yeah, they got inside my own head there. But yeah. When you say that, you know, in in your head somewhere, this is something you always wanted to do, like, that's probably then what made you, when you see this email and it says, are you funny? Yeah. You probably wouldn't have said that out loud, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Unless you knew that was something you wanted to do. Yeah. So you were almost asking almost like yeah, yeah. encouragement, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably, which... Do you see it as a benefit, uh, doing your first gig in the theatre in front of three hundred people, or like, would are you happy it went that way? Or you... yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's a lovely place to start. As I said, doing a gig in front of three hundred people, one is the laugh you get's incredible. It's just a, it's a percentage game, isn't it? If you can make half of three hundred people laugh, it's a big laugh. If you make half of six people laugh, it's not a big laugh. So like, yeah. Some people have had to start in rooms above pubs with like ten people in, but then downside to it is it that you get a bit spoiled in the fact that because I, I I kind of I say this to people who do hot water for the first time because the the room of hot water that I MC all the time it's incredible it's an amazing room and it's full it's like two hundred odd people in and it's just it, it holds the atmosphere perfectly 
and you get on stage and everything all setups perfect the sounds perfect the lighting's perfect and you get up there and do your first gig and you're like that's incredible but then i was like i always try and prepare people for the fact that that's not how the comedy circuit is so like i got a bit of a rude awakening when i when they'd make third and fourth gigs and they were in like rooms above pubs or working men's clubs or like just like a corner of a bar where half the people aren't even bothered that the show's on and you've got to kind of like fight for fight for people's attention um yeah so it's it's pros and cons to it so probably it's probably encouraged you to keep going anyway definitely definitely yeah yeah just the just the buzz of it just the the sheer buzz of it alone meant that, that kept me going if i can go back to that moment then right before the mc calls your name you know if you're pacing up and back and forth if you today before you do this show could go back and have a little word with paul right before you went out doing that first gig what do you yeah. think you today would say i don't know i don't know i was like yeah that's a that's an interesting question because a bit weird with stuff like like i I'd want to say it, it's going to be fine. Like you're going to be, you're going to end up selling theaters out. It's going to be amazing. But like, then they feel like if you do that, then is he is he going to get a bit of hubris and be like, well, I'm 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 going to smash it, so I might not might as well not work as hard. Or it's just, I wouldn't change anything to be honest. Like it's been I've had bad times in comedy and I've had dead good times and I just I feel like it's all it was all necessary to get to where I am now. So and I'm very happy where I am now. I feel blessed. I feel really lucky. I feel like I feel like I've. I've I've had a lot of good opportunities and I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of really clever people who have kind of allowed me to just do what I think every comedian wants to do really is just like be able to tour and just get out there and play to an audience who wants to see you. That's that's it's really it, isn't it? Like it's just I mean, it's all well and good saying you want to be on T V and do all that, but like really you just you want to be doing live stand-up i think that's for me anyway i think that's what most comedians want to be doing you want to be in front of an audience who wants to watch you do stand-up and i'm blessed enough to be able to do that yeah so i wouldn't go back and change anything like i wouldn't tell them i'd just say stop being a pussy <laughs> keep it simple yeah yeah well look paul thanks for chatting your first gate tonight no worries thank you thank you for Boom, boom, boom. Another one bites the dust. And another one does. Another one does. And another one bites the dust. Hey, I'm going to get you two. Another one bites the dust. There. That's two bad intros and outros of songs. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, Paul Smith. Yeah, fun episodes. Like, imagine doing your first gig in a theatre. I'd be shitting it. I did it in a recreational room of a college. And wasn't fun no it was fun what am i talking about everything's a downer god i record all of these very late at night like post midnight and i don't think it's good for my brain or my output that i'm like all right guys everything's shite uh hope you enjoyed the podcast uh make sure to subscribe on patreon because i really want to get into double digits oh let a secret slip there would you want to be part of the small crew it's at the point now where i can afford to uh fly you all to dublin and just give you a hug and then fly you right back. Um, I would bring you uh, to my house, but it's the air coach that's actually, the coach that goes from the airport to Dublin is the expensive thing. The flights are a tenner. Uh, and I wouldn't pay for the coach for everybody, but we'd have a nice little hug in the airport and 
it's a bit crowded at the minute, so we'll probably just put you straight back in the queue to departures. But if you want to join that little crew, go to patreon.com forward slash my first gig pod. Follow it at my first gig pod. Follow me at Dwayne Dugan. And next week's guest, I think, so th- is this episode six? Uh, this is what I should know. Paul Smith is season three, episode six. So we're at the halfway point of season three. As I said, we're going to do 12 episodes just to round it off because uh, season two was two episodes short. So I want to get up to episode 30 for the end. Of season thir- thir- episode 30 will be the season th- uh, three finale. So we're at the halfway mark, which means, oh, gobble, gobble. I've had six delicious podcasts. Please, sir, may I have some more? Of course you can. And we're going to kick off the second half. Side B of uh, season three with the fantastic Lauren Patterson. Lauren Patterson uh, received the nomination for Best Show at the Edinburgh Fringe this year for her show It's The Way It Is. Oh, do I have anything prepared? It is what it is. Look, I could have got the name of the show right the first time, but it is what it is. Hey. So check out Lauren Patterson next week. Go back and listen to all the episodes in this series. Flo and Joan Allison Spittle, Joe Lysett, Reese James, Mary Beth Barone, and today was Paul Smith. And then go back and listen to all of the old episodes again because it's now been long enough that if you have actually listened to them, you can listen again. Brand new. I love listening to old podcasts that I enjoyed when I forget about them. And then I, I love then remembering bits going, oh, they're going to talk. They're going to talk about the thing that I like in a second. They're going to talk about the thing that I like. And then they do. I'm like, <laughs> I like that thing. And um, as I said, I just, I, that's why I don't watch Marvel films. There's too much new stuff going on. I like listening, watching, and consuming everything I've consumed before. You want me to try new foods? God help you if you even suggest it. Okay? My favorite dinner are the ones that my mother made for me when I was a child. And it's because that's all my palate likes, but also it's familiar with to me, guys. And you are familiar to me. I love you all. I'll leave you there. Have a great week. Have a great time. See you another time. I'm Dwayne Dugan for my first gig. Goodbye. Good night. And safe travels. <laughs> what am I talking about? Goodbye, guys. It's the my first gig podcast. You've been listening to the My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan on Acast. Follow online at My First Gig Pod or at Dwayne Dugan. For classic episodes, ad-free, early access and more, head to myfirstgigpod.com. This is My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan, powered by Acast. Enjoy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.